Hopefully you've had, uh, it's good to see you all. Welcome back. I was realizing I haven't worn this headset in a while, Ryan. It, I don't know that I missed it, but uh, I missed you all. But uh, this, is, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, great to be back with uh, for Discipleship Hour. Um, looking forward to it. Hopefully you picked up a uh, handout. We're starting a new series today on Teach Us Your Word. And so we'll, we'll dive into that in just a few moments. Um, yeah, we, we talked about teach us to pray before, um, before the break, the time of rest, and now it just flows naturally, I think, into teach us your word. And then we had some sermons about that, especially when we had Jason Chang guest preaching. And so um, Ryan and I are really excited to walk through this material. So why don't I pray, and then we'll just dive in on it. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity uh, to gather as your people. Thank you for the richness of your word, how uh, it's so deep that we can be students of it for our our whole lives. And you are so wonderful. Um, We will continue to grow in knowledge of you forever. And we pray that you'd help us as we study these things this morning, that we'd be encouraged by the fact that you want us to hear from you. And we pray that we build one another up as we think about these things. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So, I think a a good place to start is just thinking about why have this class in the first place. Um, I I mentioned already a little bit that some of it was sparked by Jason's sermon from Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119 is ginormous, and uh, he's making it a practice to work through it throughout his um, preaching time, not all at once, but to to drop into it. And um, one of the things we saw in that verse, or in that passage, was from Psalm 119.25, and it, it really stood out to me. It says, my soul clings to the dust, give me life according to your word. And this is something that we see throughout Scripture, but good to be reminded of that the Scripture presents the Word of God itself as life-giving. It's the Word that uh, creates all things. It's the Word that continues to shape and transform us. Um, it's this amazing concept of what God's Word does, that it actually brings things about. It's not just that things are spoken but the speaking of them and the receiving of them actually bring about a new condition. And so Psalm 119.25, we receive life through God's word. So uh, that's a motivation to want to be in it. Also, a passage that's familiar to many of us as you continue on in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, just being reminded again that God's word is what gives us perspective of navigating this path of the Christian life. And then uh, just one more verse, we could go on and on, uh, but another passage that really highlights this, Matthew 4.4, 4, remember Jesus' response when being tempted by Satan was this, it is written, and this is referring back to Deuteronomy, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so there's that concept of living by God's word. Um, And I don't know how it strikes you when you hear that we're going to do a class on teach us your word and on Bible study. I have mixed emotions about that, I have to confess. Um, And in fact, when I think about it, I feel like I have a lot of baggage when it comes to Bible study. It's something that's really hard for me to square in my head. 
I think growing up as a Christian, Bible study has been very much something that took on a checklisty um, thing in my life. And it's hard to shake that. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. Um, but just as this thing that I have to do, and then related to, if I do it, life goes well. If I don't do it, God already knows that. And so my, my day won't go well, and definitely the year won't go well if it's not an overall trajectory of making my way through my Bible. I know there's nothing in the Bible that says that, um, but I'm amazed how deep it goes. And so part of the reason of, of talking about why I have this class is it's, I think it's such a helpful reorientation to realize that the way Scripture holds forth the Word of God is not something that's saying checklist, um, measure of success of the day, but it's, a, it's an offer of life. It's life is found in God's Word. And that's a completely different motivation than I have to do this so God will smile upon me or something. Uh, I find it helpfully reorients thinking about um, life done well and enjoyed in blessing will find its source in God's word. So it makes me want to tap into that. Um, And so that's a little bit different. And so when we think about why I have this class, the, some of it is uh, the scriptural warrant there, and we could go on and on with passages. Also, it's also really appropriate after we just studied prayer together because the two go hand in hand. And I think that's another thing. I mean, prayer can be super checklisty, and we all feel guilty about that. But, but seeing the two things go hand in hand of our prayers are sourced in the Word of God and we find expression in God's Word for our prayers As we're praying to God, the Spirit uses that to take us back to the word and promises of God. And so the two things are so interrelated that all of this gives good reason um, for studying this. But before we move on much farther, I want to open it up to you. And I have a question. Um, Not to go Mr. Negative, but I I think it's, it's worth talking about at the beginning. What challenges have you experienced when it comes to being in the Word. I've talked a little bit about the checklist mentality. You could elaborate on that if, if that's something you resonate with. But when you hear, we're doing a series on being in God's Word, what comes to mind of the, oh, I hope it helps with this, or uh, I'm not sure I want to go to that because I feel this way about it. Yeah, uh, Hannah and Caleb has the mic. <laughs> Great. Um, so currently, me and Caleb are doing a like Bible in the Year reading, which I've never actually done before. I've never read through the full Bible. Yeah. Um, but one thing, you know, we went through Numbers, and we're going through Chronicles right now. So stuff like that, when it's just names and names and names, I have such a hard time being like, why am I reading all this? Or you get to the next chapter, and it repeats the same names, and you're like, why are we reading this again? Yeah. So I think just learning more of stuff like that, like why it's in there and why it's so important. And I know some things, but yeah. just, I think, just having more of an appreciation for it when I'm actually reading it instead of being like, let please let this chapter end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please let this chapter end. Yes, it, it evokes prayer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's great. I think that's a huge thing, right? Um, we can all think of passages in the Bible that we grasp, understand, um, but boy, as you read through it, there are large chunks of scripture that we can find ourselves saying, what in the world is this talking about? And even further, what in the world am I supposed to gain from this? How does this affect me? And so 
Cool, because that's actually something we're hoping to address in this class, is increasing our understanding of God's Word. It helps us uh, be in it as well. Anyone else? What other struggles have you had? Oh, Caleb's already on it. Thanks. Adriana. Then we'll... um, so I think, like, coming, I'm a, an avid reader, and I think when it comes to God's Word, I have to learn to look at it, even though it is a book, not like a piece of literature in the sense of there's a lot of complex pieces that, like, feed into others. So you can't just read it linear, like, like, a, like an actual book, because um, there's just so much context underlying. But I think the hardest part is reading something and feeling confident. I know what this means. I know what it's saying. And then you hear a sermon on an expository piece, and you're like, well, that's not what I thought at all. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out I don't know what's going on. Right. But I think it helps. Um, I mean, being decided, like, Patty's helped me, like, look into, like, different pieces like the indicatives the imperatives i never knew what that was six months ago yeah but um now it's it's like all coming together a little bit more and more but still some of the the scripture can be really overwhelming and like right. what story it's telling yeah it is a book unlike any other book and we know that because of inspiration and things like that too but what other book have you read that's 66 other little books contained in it that are from spanning a few thousand years written by different authors that are talking about a world very different than our own. It's, I just want you to know you are in good company if when you open your Bible it can seem very foreign. It is a foreign book to us in so many ways. Um, and grasping that and then getting some tools with that, which is a lifelong process, um, can continue on that path of edification. So you're in good company. Um, someone else, challenges you've run into, Amen. notice is what it done for me is every time I veer away from the word, mics make me I, We want to hear your voice. Um, every time I veer away from reading the word, it feels like I drift. Mm -hmm. I drift away from the faith a little bit. Um, but what it does for me, every time I am in it, it brings me closer in my prayer life and in my relationship. But what it, what it, what it does for me also is... In the past, I could go through a verse and just kind of whiz right through it, and then this this go around, I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is what they're meaning this time. And so I think that's the living word, right? Every time you go through it, 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 you, it reveals something else to you. Yeah, good. Yeah, the life-giving nature of it, I think um, most of us can attest to. We know that there is spiritual benefit for being in the Word of God. Um, but then we can run into these other obstacles that we'll talk about some as we go uh, that can make it challenging. All right. Well, I'm sure there are many other things we could share. Um, yeah, John, and then this will be the last one, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Thanks. What I'm learning is uh, understanding the Word of God through the Constantine principles of paganism um, that he passed along is not how the Jews that the Bible was actually written to, they were given the oracles of God. The Bible was actually written by Jews to the Jewish people. And what I'm learning is we need what to understand what the Bible is actually saying, you have to know how the people of his day understood it. Mm. Yeah, and that's complicated because we've got so many denominations and so many, you know, but, it, but we're not Jews. You know, most of people are not Jews. That <laughs> So they have no background in the Torah. They have no understanding of what was really being said there in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. But we are saved by grace through faith alone through Yeshua. Great. <laughs> yeah. So the, understanding the, the context, especially historical context of coming to a particular people, um, but with that, the Bible always being written and inspired and intended to be beyond uh, just the Jewish people to all who are true children of Abraham through Christ. And so that's part of the richness of it is it enters into this particular context in time and space and yet has this timeless uh, aspect to it that applies to all of us. So um, we'll talk some more about how to understand those contextual things. All right, so as we're just kind of introducing our, ourselves to this idea of um, growing in God's word, we've talked about why have this class, but then that moves us on. I just want to throw out some some things so we're getting a an idea of the scope of what being in the word can entail. And this won't be exhaustive by any means, but when we think of being in God's Word, sometimes that may be a very um, small idea to us, or one particular thing. Um, Ten minutes a day devotionally, an hour a day. Um, it might be intense study. It, and so it can be a lot of different things. And I think that's one of the things that's helpful for us as we, as we grow as Christians, is understanding that this orientation toward God's word, because it's a source of life and because it cultivates a, a relationship with him, um, can take place in a lot of different ways. And the more we understand those different ways, then that can line up with what we'll talk about in a minute too, just different seasons of life. But uh, for the sake of time, let me just throw out some different ways of being in the word of God. And you can see if these are some that you've done or maybe never considered. Um, it can be what Hannah was talking about, about a reading through the Bible plan, where you're going through the entirety of Scripture. And some people make it a habit to do that yearly or even more so. It can also be just section-by-section section reading, a, a chapter a day, a paragraph a day, working through a book or working through multiple parts of Scripture, um, like you read something from the Old Testament, something from the New it can be studying a book and just for a month or months on end, you're just rereading like Romans or Colossians or an Old Testament book, maybe picking up a commentary or looking at the study notes as you go. But, oh, I, I really want to wrestle with this book. Um, it can also include just rereading parts of it regularly in your life. So like Proverbs, for example, those can be something you just um, look at one every day or a chapter of Proverbs every day or a psalm. There are plenty of them, and that can be a part of the rhythm of being in God's Word. It can also be listening to God's Word, and that may be a discipline that we need to strengthen our muscles for if you're not used to like listening to kind of nonfiction being read to you. Um, but as you grow in that, it's amazing how you know that commute in the car can be a very edifying time of hearing God's word. Also, listening to God's word while you're reading it, while you have it in front of you, can slow you down or help you um, absorb it better, just as we're created to both hear and see things. Reading out loud is another way. There's one man I know in particular who is just reading through the whole Bible out loud um, for his own edification. And you hear and see different things as you do that out loud. Um, I'm just picturing a house full of people and them all doing that as they're like, well, it just kind of makes me chuckle. But anyhow, uh, this guy just goes to his a, a place and does it. So anyhow, uh, 
Also, being in the Word can be memorizing passages. That's another way. It's not always just plowing through um, chunks of Scripture. And then, um, finally, it can be singing passages of Scripture. Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And there is a wealth right now of Christian music that is just Scripture put to music. And um, it's, it's very edifying. You can create playlists that way. So as, as we engage in this series that's called Teach Us Your Word, I just want to start with kind of the breadth of that. Of These are all different ways of achieving that goal of saying, give me life because your word is life. Um, and that brings us to the next part. There, there are various ways of being in God's word, but there are also various seasons of being in God's word. Um, different seasons of life have different rhythms, and that is okay. <laughs> it is okay. And I think that's where, for me, a lot of the baggage comes in in some checklisty things, is it was this, there's kind of one way of doing it, and the more time you do, the better it is, and then you're trying to impose that one thing on a life that's constantly changing, um, and that can become very discouraging, right? And so parents of young families often feel very guilty when they're barely getting enough sleep, and but they'll be saying to me, yeah, but I'm not having time in the Word, and I feel really bad about that. Um, time in the Word can look a lot different than it did before that sleepless season, right? Um, and there can even be the word that we have taken in and know that we can be pondering even in a dreamlike state. And it's still an edifying thing as you're drifting off to sleep. So there's differing seasons. Um, parents of young families, there's super busy seasons in life, just life transitions or a new job or you're remodeling. Um, also, debilitating illness can make being in God's Word very difficult. Getting older, um, your attention span changing, just overall weariness because of bodily conditions, um, your ability to read or not read, we think like uh, with our children and things. So we're all over the place when it comes to capacity and season of what being in God's Word looks like. And I just want you to hear it is okay to take time to adjust to the season that you're in. And God isn't up in heaven with his stopwatch being like, how long is it going to be until you get back into that routine that's the only way to do it? And so we need to, if that thinking's in our head, um, hopefully this is helping us um, move through that a little bit. So there's different seasons of life have different rhythms. There are also different seasons of our heart. Our hearts go through different seasons. It's not just how much sleep do we have or how much memory retention or how much pain are we in, but there are things going on in our hearts. And we see this in Scripture. Um, Psalm 63, 6 and 7, um, it says this, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So this is also interesting. Um, Being awake in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep but it orients the psalmist toward meditating on God's word. That's a a cool thing to realize. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So in this season of life, even though there's enduring some sleepless aspects of it, when the psalmist is meditating on God's word, it brings a response of joy, right? That's the season of his heart. 
But then we think about Psalm 77, 3 and 4. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit is enlivened? No, my spirit faints. That's the aspect of the heart experience of this psalmist encountering God's word. And so I I think sometimes we feel freakish as Christians when we open our Bibles and we feel worse having opened it than when we didn't, right? Scriptures tell us that's an experience that's common to God's people. That doesn't mean something is wrong with you necessarily. It, It means this is a season of your heart to acknowledge and to bring before the Lord. Um, so we have different seasons with different rhythms, different seasons of our heart. Also, I think something that's important to realize is sometimes the Bible has been misused in our lives. Um, there, there are all kinds of ways this can happen But sometimes we open our Bibles to a particular passage and we hear a distorted version of God's voice. And that's all we can hear when we hear those passages, when we read those passages. It could be that God is always yelling and he's always mad. And no matter how much we know truths that say otherwise, that's all we can hear. Um, There can be passages or aspects of Scripture that evoke really strong reactions for for all kinds of reasons. It can be warning passages that maybe we've had, we've been trying to figure out our theology with that, or they've been misused in our lives to scare us into holiness. And anytime we go to those, it just takes us to a dark place. It could be passages about headship and submission. These are things that can be radically misused and um, heard very wrongly. It can be just the fact that we, we pick up a passage of God's word and all we hear are imperatives or commands because we've never been taught or strengthened the muscles to hear the indicatives of the promise and the heart of God behind those commands. Um, and it could be something like election or end times or hell. Um, we just have um, distorted views of that that really seem to cause harm in our spiritual life. And so what I want to say to that just pastorally is this. It is okay to understand that. And it's okay to be honest about that. And it's also okay to, for a time, for a season, that's why I call the seasons of being in God's word, to say, you know what? Those sections just aren't edifying for me right now, but the Bible is big and I can focus on other things. There's a difference between ripping something out of your Bible and just honestly and humbly saying from this aspect right now because something has to grow in my heart and there's plenty of life-giving other things that can help me then be able to uh, re-engage with that in a new way. And so that's part of the Christian experience as well. Um, And I I just think it's good to understand those seasons because what can happen is those distortions that we have or those ways those things have been used in our life can make us not want to be around God's word at all. And instead, we could think, what what is the goal of this? The goal is that our hearts turn Godward and turn toward God's word. Um, And there can be a lot of honesty in this. And I I just keep going back to just this short phrase, 
give me life according to your word. Because that can be so helpful. Yeah, I find, I find um, some of these Old Testament narratives where all these people are just being slaughtered and killed, I find those really hard right now. And so God, I'm going to read some other parts of your word, but I know that life comes from being in your word and I, I want to be in that. Um, my life is really crazy right now or I'm in a really difficult situation of my heart, but I know small parts of your word that still are life-giving to me. Parts like help. Psalm 38:22, make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. We might not be able to get the whole verse out, but it can be, help me, God. That's a way of meditating and prayerfully taking God's word. Um, in, in seasons of great difficulty and suffering, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34:18. That may be all you're able to handle for a time. And that's okay, because God can use that word by the Spirit to grow us and to strengthen us. Um, And so what is the goal? The goal is an honest and humble orientation toward God's word as a source of life for his people, as a gift for his people, and a way that we will grow in relationship to him. But there's all kinds of ways (laughs) that that can happen. And that's what I just want to throw out there uh, in the beginning as we, as we talk about this. Okay. Um, I think I'll just move on from there because I think there's enough said and I think if you have questions about that, come talk to me privately because we can talk about what season you're in and just how, how that all lands with you and stuff. <clears throat> so... With this goal of being word-oriented people, one of the things that's really helpful just to begin with is thinking about meditating on God's word. Um, we are going to talk in the, the rest of this class really about Bible study tools to better understand scripture. But all of that works in a way of aiding meditation on scripture not merely growing in like intellectual knowledge or factoids about scripture or something like that. That's related, but it falls short of the goal of meditation. And so I don't know what you think of when I say meditate upon scripture. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. Um, I don't know what comes to your mind. I think for a lot of us, that's pretty fuzzy. And so there are many methods that help us do this. And I just want to walk us through one that can just be a helpful handle um, to just build and grow on. And so this one, it actually, I believe, comes from Martin Luther. Tim Keller talks about it in his book on prayer. Um, but we, we see in Psalm 1, which Aaron preached on a few weeks ago, these paths, these ways. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But here the contrasting path. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's the trajectory we're shooting toward, is delightful meditation upon the word of God, with all the caveats before of the seasonality of that, right? That's what we're aiming for. Well, how can we do that? There's a method called um, T, 
uh, TPCA is the acronym, and you can see it there. That's uh, it's not a big reveal, I guess. It's already in the handout. So, um, meditation method TPCA. I have trouble keeping those in order. Uh, someone I was talking to helpfully said you could think toilet paper California, if that's helpful for you or not, um, or you could think of your own thing. But if you really get stuck, TPCA. Okay. Um, more important than do you get the letters right are kind of just the idea of, of what it is. And so the first thing is teach. So we're going to practice this in a few minutes. So I'll just kind of walk through what this looks like, and then we'll look at a passage and do it together. But I just want to give you the categories. First thing we're asking is, what does this passage teach? So you can be anywhere in Scripture, big paragraph, long narrative, little verse. What does it teach? Um, and, and this is just, what is it saying? And we're going to give more tools to better understand this. But there are often clear teachings that we can understand from Scripture, even if there's a ton of stuff swirling around it that we still have questions about. And I think that's something I find helpful and kind of empowering in a good way is, okay, is there anything here I can just say, this is teaching that. It's saying God is faithful. This is saying um, desires can be distorted. This is saying parents shouldn't provoke their children. This is saying, you know, okay, I may have lots of questions on how to apply that or what that means, but I can see that this is what it's saying. Sometimes it's really clear teaching about God. Ephesians 1.3, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Boom, it's teaching that. You could think about that for eternity. Um, it sometimes is teaching us things about ourselves. We've been looking at Romans 7, and one thing you could say, sin uses the law to arouse sinful passions within us. That's part of what um, the beginning of Romans 7 is teaching. Teaching can also be, it's telling us what we should do. We should be very careful how we speak. So these are all aspects of teaching, right? So first question, what does the passage teach? Then secondly, because we don't want to just stay there, right? Some of us may be tempted to just live there and then like, oh, I have all these questions and, da, 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 and just keep going. Um, it's important with meditation that all of this becomes a part of it because the teaching then brings us to praise. How can I praise God in light of this passage? This is an amazing question to ask. I'm amazed how edifying this simple question can be. Um, and it doesn't matter where you are in Scripture. Sometimes the passage explicitly tells us something about God that's praiseworthy, right? He's holy. He is near to the brokenhearted. He is faithful. He is patient. Um, you could go on and on. Sometimes it's just right there, right? Other times, the passage, especially when you think of reading narratives and stuff, and you're, you're reading a lot about someone's life, um, it can highlight things that are very different from God. You know, you can be reading about Israel's unfaithfulness in the book of Jeremiah or something, and you just see this bent and orientation that's so different from God. And it can make us say, wow, God, thank you so much that you are not like that. And I praise you because you are patient with people like that, like me. <laughs> see how that's oriented toward adoration, toward praise. Um, and, and that takes us usually to, 
thank you that you're, you're so good to me in some way because we're seeing, even in the things that are praiseworthy about God, and that's where it takes us, I'll just stop talking, takes us into the next thing. Confess. As we're looking at it and saying, what can I praise about God? What it will naturally do is it helps us see things about ourselves that aren't fully aligned to that image bearing of God we were created for um, and has been distorted because of sin. And so what sins should I confess in light of this passage? We talked in the Teach Us to Pray class about the importance of confession and how confession is saying the same as God says about our sin. That's where we're trying to get in it. Helps us understand the weight of our sin, the nature of our hearts, but it always takes us back to this amazing reality of God's grace and forgiveness that then helps us be gracious toward other people. So sometimes when we're looking at a passage, there's a clear command, right? Fathers, don't provoke your children. And we can look at that and we can confess, I've provoked my children in these ways. Or this attitude that I have can be provoking to my children. Or like, And it takes us places that are good to examine. And then we confess those to God. It can, again, with narrative, we see the character in the story who, maybe Gideon, who hears God's explicit command but continues to be fearful and doubt. We can say, oh, a lot of times I'm like Gideon too. I have God's word, but I tend to to fear what would happen if I follow it or I doubt that that's really the way I should go. Lord, help me to trust your word more. Um, And so there's that confession that's there. Forgive me for the ways... I I don't trust your word. Um, The other thing with confession that I've kind of mentioned is as we see in the praise section how God is. I praise you because you're faithful and you're trustworthy and you're kind and you're long-suffering. That immediately takes us to, wait a minute, I'm created in God's image and now in Christ I'm supposed to be, be becoming more like this and there's a lot of ways I'm not. Here's how I've been impatient. Here's how I haven't been long-suffering. So that's all confession. And then that takes us to the last thing, which is then ask. And so I think this whole meditation process is a prayerful experience, but this is where it becomes explicitly prayerful supplications of, of asking God for something. What should I ask God for in light of this passage? Um, I find for myself there are many things that Scripture would call us to be asking for that usually aren't on my mind. And usually what's on my mind are kind of regular things that deserve being asked, but there's more to it. And Scripture can help us see that. And the important thing about asking is it helps cultivate an attitude of dependence which is the whole goal of this thing, right? We're coming to God for life because we depend on him for everything. And so often where we go wrong is thinking we don't need him and he thinks we shouldn't need him. And this reorients us from saying, I should do this to I should ask God to help me do this. There's a night and day difference between those two things. I should do this, which is law, I should ask God to help me do this, which is saturated in gospel of he wants to help me. He's now forgiven my sin. He's given me the spirit. Christ has secured everything to help me do this, and I'm coming in dependence. 
And so asking um, helps cultivate that humility. Okay, that's a lot of words of a method, and it could you could just be sitting there thinking, okay, that's all great, but how do I even do that? So let's do it together, okay? Um, I've printed there in your handout on the back, and you could open your Bible if you want, and um, you can mark it up if you want, or if you don't like marking up your Bibles, you can mark this up. You can do whatever you want. Um, I'm going to put it up here on the screen as well. And what we're going to do, I'll read this passage, and then we can just look at it together, and we'll just walk through those letters. So the only rule in this is don't jump ahead. And if you do, I'll slap your wrist. Um, Just kidding, I won't. Pastors don't hit their parishioners. Um, Okay, but that that would be the thing we're trying to do is like, okay, let's focus on each category as we go through it, right? So let me read this. Colossians uh, 4, 2 through 6. Sound familiar? (laughs) Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as we uh, take a look at that passage, um, let's start with teach. Is there anything that you notice... um, that the passage teaches. I think instead of making Caleb run everywhere, um, you can speak these things to me, and if I can hear it, I'll just kind of re-articulate it for folks who are at home, because I just think that might be mean. So, anything you see that this passage is uh, teaching, even if you don't understand all of what that means? Yeah, that there's this steadfastness in prayer, a perseverance in prayer that we're um, called to. Good. John. Yeah. Right. So gracious speech is tied to how I answer each person somehow. And somehow we need to think about that. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, uh, this this prayer and walk in wisdom that we see right there and, and even more uh, connection that's going on there. Good. Uh, Piper. Yeah, um, part of our prayer can be for people who are declaring the mystery of Christ, delivering the word. Um, that could be evangelistically, as he's speaking about here. Um, Applications could be for people who bring the word in church. Um, anything else? I mean, we could, we really could do this for like an hour, but I'll, I'll just get a good representation of it. Anything else you see that it's teaching? Yeah. Walking in wisdom. We're called as Christians to walk in wisdom. So thinking about wisdom when we're with unbelievers. And closely connected to that is that grace is in our interaction with them. Wisdom and grace. Anything else? 
Yeah, our prayer should be thankful, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Good. Well, that's a good start, right? And so right away, I didn't keep count, but maybe seven things. I mean, perfect number. So seven, the number of perfection of observations about what this passage is teaching, right? And again, and we'll, we'll get into this more as we talk, but I have a lot of questions about this passage. There are a lot of things um, I'd like to understand better. Um, but there are still edifying things right away that intersect with my life that I can think about. And even you can pick up on one of those teachings, like um, that my speech would always be gracious. I don't know what seasoned with salt means. I need to understand that better. But being related to how I answer each person, and you could just ponder that for a bit or see if your Bible has a study note about salt, and that could be like a a manageable aspect of just growing in the teaching of it. Um, Okay, what then can we praise God for that we find in this passage. Yeah, that he hears us. I mean, the, the whole idea of the command to pray is that God wants us to and listens. Um, that's an interesting kind of indicative aspect of that, um, that through Christ, our prayers are welcome before God. And if we just jump right away to, I should pray more, we've missed this whole thing of there's a God who wants us to talk to him. Um, That's a very praiseworthy thing. It can take you right to confession too, right? Forgive me for all the times I think you don't want to hear from me. Um, And so those things can flow together. But I saw a hand over here. Was it you, Michael? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. The the sovereignty of God, God opening up a door, we're seeking to walk faithfully with the doors open before us, but God, you are sovereign over these things. And that's mind-blowing for me, and I praise you for that. Um, Ted, did you have something? Oh, you were, okay, just twitching. No. Uh, Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. I don't, I don't know if you all could hear that, but it, it can start with praising God that we're not in prison, like just thankfulness for our present circumstances that are better than what Paul's were at the time, and yet also praising him that in whatever situation we have, he's providing opportunities for us to both pray and speak and share. Um, yeah, Mark? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mark took it, and this is such a good thing to train our minds to do. We're hearing these commands in it, right? And then we realize, wait, Jesus fulfilled all of these commands. He walked perfectly in wisdom. He was always perfectly prayerful. His speech was always gracious. And so we can praise our Lord for his perfect life, We can praise God for sending Jesus to free us from the times we failed. 
and now empower us to walk more like him. Like, that's all praiseworthy things. Um, He's given us his spirit so we can live more and more like Christ. Thankfulness and praise. Anything else? Yeah, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great to realize, right? We hear these commands and we have to hear them through what we're going to get to, especially in Romans 8, that these things are now through Christ's work in the sending of the Spirit, things that we are being divinely empowered to do. Thank you, God, for enabling me to grow in my ability to do these things by the Spirit. Yeah, Michael? Yeah. No, that's great. Even just zooming out and being like, the guy who wrote this was once someone who hated the way of Christ. And God, I praise you that you changed him and have changed me and can change my unsaved loved ones. Um, um, See where all that can go. Anna. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can praise God that there's this trajectory being held out toward conformity to Christ. That's that's an amazing, encouraging thing that he doesn't expect us to have it all together now. But the reason this is in Scripture is because he can help us grow to be more and more like this. Um, do you hear how different, like I, I'm just, I'm delighting in what you all are doing because you're you're putting this section within the whole context of God's redemptive work and scripture, which is what we're called to do. And so much, um, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good for us when we just, when we leave all that out because we hear a distorted version of what God's intending for us if we just hear pray all the time and leave it at that, right? And so praise helps us do that, I think. Good. This is uh, delightful. Oops, that's not what I meant to do. We cross out the scripture. Confess. <laughs> what? Uh, what can we confess? <laughs> um, what? What does this passage bring to mind that we could be confessing? Yeah. The. Um, making the best use of the time, we have failed to do that in many ways, right? Um, and we can confess that in specific ways as they come to mind. And, and in the context of this, best use of the time also in thinking of our relationship toward outsiders. Um, and sometimes that can be very far from our minds uh, as we go to work or as we're at home or whatever. Yeah, Piper? Yeah, wanting to grow in wisdom toward outsiders and insiders, toward uh, believers and unbelievers, and confessing, 
I have not been wise about that. Um, I have been foolish sometimes in the ways I've spoken to or thought about others. I think I, did I see another hand over here or not? Okay. Yeah, John? Yeah. And I was in the tattoo parlor for an eight hour session right there. And they were talking about their, their problem with their Christian. Um, this guy drew in the blanks, and they were talking about their religion. Normally in my past, I would have spewed out about Christ or something about the Bible, and it just started to face in my thoughts. But when God is showing me, Yeah. Good. So. Yeah. And so we can confess ways we in the past haven't been wise toward outsiders, have spoken when we should have listened, haven't been gracious, have been proud. Um, those are all things we can confess. Yeah, Kevin, and then we'll move on to ask. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. The being watchful over our own spiritual state and ways we haven't been, uh, those are things we can confess. Right after that, it says, with thanksgiving. I haven't been very thankful lately. I've been more focused on what I don't have and grumbling, all those things, please forgive me. Um, So do you see how much a passage can jog our minds towards things to humbly bring before God? And again, it's not to make ourselves feel horrible or something like that. It's so we can say the same as God about our sin, so we can better understand our own hearts, so we can better see how far we fall from where he's going to bring us one day when we're glorified, And we can thank him for the forgiveness that we have, be amazed at how forgiving and patient he is, and be asking him for the help to not do the thing we just confessed. And so it brings us humbly before him. And so that takes us to asking, right? What can we ask God for in this passage? Just a a few things and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But 
I think you see probably how naturally confession kind of feeds into this. But anything specifically, you say, wow, this passage just makes me think, I should ask God for this. Asking him for wisdom, right? Hopefully that's something we're kind of always asking for, um, just because we see daily how much we need it. But boy, when we stray from that, passages like this, walk in wisdom, oh, this is something I desperately need God to help me in. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Caleb? Yeah. Mature. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so asking for, um, you know, if this were at the beginning of the day, if it's during lunch, if it's later, no matter what time of day it is, except maybe right before you go to bed, you're probably going to be saying a lot of words. Words are going to come out of your mouth. You can ask God to help you say wise, salty, gracious words. Yeah, and these are prayers he loves to help us with, right? Um and we get into real trouble, don't we, when we don't think we need help with our words. <laughs> That's a problem. And so this, this helps us get there in our hearts. I'll give, um, just see if there's anyone else with something we could ask God for from this passage. All right, Kevin. Yeah. Asking for a door for the word an opportunity for the word to go forth, in particular this gospel word about Christ. Um, Just asking for that helps us be more alert to it and uh, also shows a dependence that God has to open that door. Um, It's not our job to just um, go in there guns a-blazing all the time. We want to do it wisely and graciously and dependent upon him. Good. All right. Well, that's the um, that's a method of meditation, the TPCA. You could come up with a better way of thinking about that. Um, but I think that kind of shows you something of what we're aiming for. And you can tailor. You may have a method that works really well for you. Um, but this this richness of scriptural prayer that's helping us think the things of God, and is showing us the ways that God's word brings us life, um, hopefully can be helpful. And what I love about this method is it, it really applies no matter what passage of scripture you're reading or no matter how well you understand it. Yeah, genealogies might be a little tricky, Hannah, but uh, they're, they're still our things. So we can, and we'll talk more about that as we go. So what's coming? Um, this is the class of acronyms, is what we should really just call it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, so yeah, we did TPCA as just this overarching meta- meditation method. But where we're going to spend the bulk of the next um, seven to eight weeks is um, the CAPTOR plan. This was put together by um, a, a Bible teacher and preacher, um, Daniel Doriani, and um, the tools that it gives, I think, are really helpful. It's supposed to list them for me, but maybe I messed it up. Well, there we go. Oh, I'm going backwards. I tell you, all this. Uh, 
Some of you may think I'm going backwards all the time, but uh, just right there. But um, you can see how these would be helpful things. Context, um, so understanding the context of the particular passage we're talking about. Analysis, so really just kind of breaking it down. Wait, what is it saying? And some tools with that. I love this bucket, problems. Just identifying things you don't understand, identifying things that are tricky, and having a bucket for those instead of just being, I don't get this entire thing and I give up, right? There, there's a way to, to work through that and, and grow in our understanding of that. Themes, um, these overarching themes of Scripture, which so much of that was even coming out as we were just talking about uh, meditating on God's Word. Obligations is another way of saying, is there something in this that, it, that is commanded of me, that God is seeking to grow in me? And then um, reflection, which kind of puts it all together in an application way. And as we think about it too, really, I think redemptive reflection is probably where we'll go with that, where it's in light of the whole gospel story of what God is doing. Um, what is this passage calling me to, encouraging me with? Um, how is it life-giving? And so that's what we're going to be breaking down, kind of um, kind of looking at those one week at a time-ish, just depending how it goes. And also not just dictating a method, but interacting on it as we seek to just strengthen these muscles uh, together. The beauty to me of studying God's Word is, it is it's a lifelong pursuit, and that doesn't need to overwhelm us. It can encourage us that we can apply all the little bits and pieces that we have right now and the Lord will use that by his spirit for it to be edifying. And we can just throughout our lives continue to grow in our understanding of the richness of God's word and grow even in some of the tools that we have of understanding it and applying it and kind of putting it all together. And so we want to grow some in those tools as well. So uh, I'll close us in prayer and then we can uh, fellowship together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Uh, we confess that sometimes we don't see it as the gift, um, the gift of love that it truly is. We don't hear your voice rightly through it. Um, we don't avail ourselves of it. And so thank you that in Christ we are forgiven for all of that. And your orientation toward us is now one of delight and longing for us to come and to come to you humbly and to ask for help. And so we ask that you'd help us to become people who more love your word, who more accurately hear your voice and your heart in your word, and who find life in your word as we seek to walk along this path um, that Christ has paved the way for us. And so we ask your help in all of this, and especially as we go to our worship service, that your word would dwell richly in us in all of it, and that it would build us up as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.